This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are The Great Ones, presented by Rotowire. Here we are on October 13, recording our first show since the start of the 2015 2016 regular season for the NHL and there's a whole bunch of news and notes Andrew in week one already so why don't we kick it off with a team in the Atlantic division that's struggling as I thought they would that's looking like a good early dollar for me in one of our dollar bets the Bruins 0-3 three straight home losses I might add lacking a lot of defensive depth like we thought at the outset but there's a couple other notes to concern ourselves with here yeah, I thought the Bruins were going to be in for a bounce back. I thought that Tuka Rask was going to be better again. I mean, I don't know. Tuka Rask might be good still. It's hard to tell with that porous defense in front of him right now. Obviously, as you mentioned, got Brad Marchand with the concussion, Chara showing his age, and just really, a, I think, a lack of star talent on the scoring lines. It, it was something that the Bruins used to be able to overcome, but that was because they were so deep from top to bottom without that back end depth it's really starting to show yeah that bit of exposure is a telling thing in my mind and there's also a note that i saw online one of the sites that carries a lot of this information zadeno chara in trade talks that's a bit of a stunner. yeah marshawn as well this early on in the season are they waving the white flag already you gotta wonder and that'll be a situation worth watching as the season unfolds should they continue this awful start Moving on, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins talk about an awful start. We were expecting a lot of goals from the Crosby-Kessel combination. They've got one so far in two games, and there's no word yet on where Evgeny Malkin is. I haven't seen any highlight with him in it. Not much to show for these guys yet. Uh, What do you expect? Yeah, that Crosby-Kessel connection has been surprisingly quiet after the big preseason. 
you have to chalk this up to a small sample size. I can't see Crosby and Kessel together not generating offense. It, it is concerning that Malkin has been quiet. You know, he was hurt in the playoffs last year. That was the excuse for him really doing nothing against the Rangers, which, you know, we all thank you for that, Gino. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, only five shots on goal in the first two games, a little below what you would expect from Malkin. No points. Still seeing, you know, the typical heavy ice time, power play time. It just hasn't been there. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him. He's a linchpin on one of my drafted teams. I expect him to break out sooner rather than later, maybe even as early as tonight against the Canadians. So not to worry. Like, do you like Plotnikov? They're, uh, they had him on the wing with Malkin. Now they took him off. They put him down to the third line. Well, and that's what I expected from him. I mean, people were touting him as a top six forward. I think they have more experienced options that they would plug in. But this guy's got to get his feet wet in the NHL level and maybe putting him on a depth line for a little while to get that early experience is a smart thing. And then maybe he'll get a longer look later in the season uh, as he gets a little bit more comfortable with the NHL game. So I think it's a good move. They've got lots of other choices up front that they can stick with Malkin and Crosby in the top six. And good move in that direction, I think, by moving this kid down. San Jose Sharks, this is a team I didn't expect much from them, Andrew. And yet here they are, 2-0. and all their big guns have already hit the score sheet, so credit to Peter DeBoer and certainly in goal. Marty Jones is off to a good-looking start. Do you think that this can last? I think it's a bit of a mirage myself. Well, you know, I was pimping the Sharks in our Pacific preview last week, and I have to say uh, they're making me look pretty good. Dollar for you. <laughs> <laughs> they're really playing, I think, a, a much stronger defensive structure. They've got... You know, like we discussed last week, a really strong group of defensive defensemen with Burns giving you that high-end offense at the front end there. I think it is sustainable. They are relying on a lot of older players on those top lines, but that's nothing new. You got a lot of high-level talent on this team, and I think Martin Jones, he looks like a star in the making right now. And credit to Big Joe Thornton for putting his off-season issues against the management by the boards, and he's off to a great start, plus four with a couple of points early on as well to show that now that Sirius' shooting has started, he's ready to play at the same high level as we're used to seeing. Dallas Stars, this is a team with an interesting fantasy note or two as well, Andrew. Uh, Cody Eakin, the lucky guy to take on the center role on the top unit. They've moved Tyler Sagan over to one wing and Jamie Benn on the other side. Man, you or I would look good in the middle. This guy, Eakin, though, <laughs> if you can get him in fantasy, today's the day to jump all over him. And even in your daily, daily pools, he's a good value tonight. We'll talk about that later. But what I mentioned early on in the season in the previews was the niemi Lettinen breakdown in goal. They've given both starts to Niemi. I just wonder how that's going to play out. I have my concerns because Lettinen is a locker room favorite on this club. He's been the guy for years over here. They airlifted Niemi into this situation in free agency, and they've given him the first two starts. I just wonder how that's going to play out. I'm a little bit concerned. Do you share my worries here? I don't know if I'm too worried about it. I mean, Niemi hasn't looked great. I think we're going to see that timeshare here. And obviously gave up the six goals to Colorado the other day. And obviously Lettinen is an established longtime Dallas star. It's funny, you look at his uh, Yahoo player page, just because Yahoo is where I tend to default looking at career stats. And it lists his original team as Winnipeg, not Atlanta. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Not to Canada. How about that? Harold, right. Reynolds, Harold Reynolds, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Um, what about the Buffalo Sabres, a little close to the border? Jack Eichel, looking like the real deal. This was a guy you touted very much in terms of the rookie outlook this season. But 
you temper your enthusiasm for the Buffalo situation when you realize Robin Leonard tweaked his leg and he could be out for a long while. They've got to give the goalie role to the backup, Chad Johnson. This guy's been a career backup, Andrew. I don't know what to expect from him, do you? I've seen an amount of Johnson. He's, we've got another former Ranger here. The Rangers just seed backup goalies all around the league, it seems like. Seven minutes in the show, and we got our first Ranger <laughs> reference. Pretty, pretty good of you. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got to keep it consistent. But uh, Eichel looks like the real deal. I really like that he's skating in shorthanded situations. Uh, he's doing it all. You know, he's really useful in every facet of the game. And so far, up to nothing in career points on Connor McDavid. Well, and we'll talk about McDavid in a second, but Eichel may have scored the goal of the season so far with a wonderful takeaway as uh, the play was leaving the offensive zone. He stick-checked a player, turned around, swooped in on the goal from a tough angle, and put a shot in the top right corner like I do when I dream about scoring the big goal myself. <laughs> but, like I do when I play video games. Exactly. Now, Connor McDavid, you mentioned him in passing. No points yet. In fact, not much of a show for him at all and his Oiler mates. Is it panic time already? I mean, if you drafted this guy, you drafted him with a long-term outlook. I would hate to think that any McDavid owners are in panic mode after only two games. What are you thinking about that? And I want to also note that my boy, Nilsson, is going to be the starting goalie here. I swooped in, I pick up this guy in a couple of my pools, and I think I'm going to look great for it in the long run. What do you think about that whole Edmonton circumstance? About McDavid, I think that, yeah, it is too soon to panic. A two-game sample... You know, if this was in the middle of January, we wouldn't even notice, right? Oh, he went two games without a point. Okay. But, you know, it happens at the beginning of the year. You see that big old zero on the you know, on the back of his baseball card, as it were. And I think that there are going to be people who, who panic. They're going to look up at that scoreboard and they're going to say, oh, my God, I, I'm lo- I lost the first week. Now I'm losing the second week. McDavid is doing nothing. Maybe I can sell his name. If they want to sell his name, I say you buy it. In a big hurry. Don't even wait for the end of the sentence if his name comes up in trade talks. Whatever you need to do, get that guy on your roster. He's going to be the signature player of the NHL before too long. And so that's a guy that you snap up if you have any chance. A guy like that would certainly look good in my blue and white team. I, I was hoping that the ping pong balls would fall in order. We were one ping pong ball away from getting this guy. I will lament that throughout his career, I'm pretty sure. But in his absence... What do I look for in the Maple Leafs, Andrew? You tell me. This team looks like the goaltending is a bit of an issue already. Bernier's been brutal, living, uh, living proof that I think that his, he's just not got his head in the game. He started two games, given up the first shot on goal, and put the team behind the eight ball. To me, Reimer's the guy. He fights for everything he gets, this guy. And they need a guy like that to lead the way here. The leader is not Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, Bernier has not looked good, but, I mean, Reimer hasn't looked that great either. He did give up four goals in his own game against the Senators. I didn't watch that game. I assume you did as the king of Leafs fandom. Were they Reimer's fault? Kind of take me through that if you can. Well, the goaltending issue, from my perspective, Reimer was hung out to dry in a few of those circumstances against Ottawa. He made a lot of great saves in that game to keep the Leafs in it, particularly when they mounted their comeback. They were down 3 nothing early in the second period, and, and he backstopped them, kept them in the game to the extent that they were, and got the game to overtime to earn this club their first point. But he also looked very good in reserve against Detroit when Bernier pooped the crease there that night. So, <laughs> so you know, it just looks to me like Bernier's not come to the party ready to go in the regular season. And I want to see Reimer get a string of games to see if this team can get their footing underneath him. That makes sense. 
let's uh let's move along to my own team. <laughs> those New York Rangers. Second mention already. That's it. They look they look like the class of the division. Let me say that for you. Uh, absolutely. You know, they're off to a great start, which is really refreshing if you're a Rangers fan, you know they always start slow. Henrik Lundqvist's save percentage in October is the worst of any month, I think, in his career. But not this year so far. Lundqvist looks like he's in midseason form. Uh, almost in playoff form. Did you see that save he made the other night? Oh my god, it was it was a thing of beauty. Stop it, you're getting drool all over my microphone here. I know, I'm getting my own computer wet. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Lindbergh, off to an amazing start, tied for the NHL goal lead. That's a tough one. I don't think that, I think the fantasy owners should not necessarily go and say, oh my god, Oscar Lindbergh is the... The savior is the next coming of you know whoever. He's a mid, uh, he's a mid round draft pick. Nobody expected anything from him. Is this guy one of? He was a second round pick. Mister, but is he going to be a Mister October kind of guy, or is are we going to see something consistent from him? Maybe in a third line role, I guess. I think you know because of the third line, because he's currently not seeing power play time and probably won't see a whole ton of it. You know, maybe some second unit time, especially if he keeps on scoring. It's not going to be a situation where you're going to get a ton of points out of Oscar Lindbergh in his rookie year, but he does have this uh, Johnny-on-the-spot sort of tendency so far where he's just in the right place and the right time, and, and that place has been in front of the net, uh, waiting for rebounds, waiting for you know good passes from his line mates, showing great chemistry with Victor Stahlberg and JT Miller on that third line. So that's great, but I'm worried looking toward the top line at Rick Nash. He's looked really bad. I mean, on the one side, you can say, okay, you look at the stats, and Nash has 10 shots on goal in three games, and you're like, okay, that's not so bad. But if you've been watching, I don't know what happened to this guy, but he has no zip on his shots whatsoever. Every shot is so easy to stop, it might as well be practice. He's losing puck battles in the corners. He's showing no speed, really. Uh, it's just a, a disaster right now for Rick Nash, and I'm really worried about him. Well, you ought to be less concerned than you're sounding, I think. It, to me, some of these big guys take a little while to get going, and maybe Nash is one of those guys. You don't worry about him in October. You worry about this guy in the second half of the season. He was a tremendous force all year long for your Rangers, and I think he's the real deal obviously still he's got a lot of uh, miles to go before he hangs them up and it's absolutely a real, real centerpiece on this club uh, but ice time is down he's he's only skating i mean obviously it's small samples but he hasn't skated more than 17 minutes in any of the rangers three games so far this year has never averaged less than 17 minutes in his career before this hey if i'm in a pool with you, are you telling me you're dangling this guy in concern? Because if there's anybody in my pools that has Rick Nash, I'll be glad to take them off your hands in a big hurry. Another guy that I really like, and over the long haul, he'll put up the numbers that you expect at the end of the season. So not I feel very reassured by you, Paul. Not worried about him at all, my friend. Okay, happy to help, my friend. <laughs> happy to help. And a couple other big guys that are catching my eye. One of them, two of them are in Winnipeg, actually. I, we talked about Alex Burmistroff returning from the KHL, a two-year stint over there, and he looked very good in his first game, but the next two, he, he kind of has been missing in action. And Mark Shifley has looked like a stud like I thought that he would all this season. I called for him to be a breakout guy, and I think you concurred. And the Winnipeg Jets have a lot of nice pieces on this club. I like the way they are set up, and I expect big things from them in this uh, competitive division. What are your thoughts about the uh, Winnipeg Jets? 
Yeah, I like Burmistrov. I snatched him up off the wire in one of my leagues already. But he, he has, you know, goal and assist plus four in that first game against Boston. But then again, we just discussed Boston is a disaster. <laughs> Next two games against the Devils and the Islanders, no points, no shots. Ice time declining from 17 minutes the first game, 16 minutes the second game, 13 minutes the third game. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who's going to see third line ice time right now, and you can't necessarily count on him to have that big bust out that we're kind of hoping for, especially with a couple other, you know, solid guys up on left wing in front of him. True enough. Why don't we stay in that division and give me your thoughts on the Los Angeles Kings 0-2 and two uh, lopsided home ice losses there. Yeah, the Kings have put up a couple of stinkers. Jonathan Quick has looked just horrible, just letting in goal after goal. So the Kings might go to Jonas Enroth tonight. Well, Quick has been less than ordinary. I mean, giving up nine goals on 63 shots, maybe a night off gets this guy some time to just get his head squared on because, as you say, they've been very badly played in two home losses, and uh, they've also got next to no production from the big guns. But in today's fantasy lineup, for me, I've put a couple of the Kings' offensive stalwarts in there because I think there's no way that a team that this good can lose three straight home games to start the season. I will also say, though, that in the last couple of seasons, Andrew, this team has been very poor out of the gate. They flip a switch around Christmas, and I still am not too worried about them overall, although they did take a bit of a hit in terms of their depth because they'll be missing Dwight King from that 70s line until about Christmas time. <laughs> he's got a broken foot, and he's got to go hope for better health uh, in the new year. Yeah, you know, they, they do flip that switch, but then again, it was like last year, right? They flipped the switch, and they were really good, and then they kind of petered out at the end and didn't make the playoffs. You have to wonder, is that going to happen again? Is this an improved Kings team from last year? I, think, I mean, looking at it now, it looks like no, but obviously that's it's a very small sample. Yeah, and I'll remind listeners that I picked them to win the Stanley Cup this year because I think they'll be motivated to keep pace with the Hawks dynasty with one of their own in their third win in this salary cap era. Sticking in this division, I think there's a couple more teams. I want to hear what you think. The Coyotes, 2-0. and What the hell is going on here? <laughs> well, Mike Smith looks great, for one. He has been fabulous. 40 saves the first game, and he goes and, uh, you know, that was against those Kings. Then he goes and beats the Penguins. You know what? We talked about the youngsters on this club, Andrew. The three youngsters, uh, Duclair, Domi, and Ryder, they've all hit the score sheet already, and that's the future of this team, but you can't be telling me the future is now already, can you? No. I do think that they've made the defense better. They added Nicholas Grossman in the offseason. They brought back Spinek McCulloch which I think are two good moves to solidify the back end of a team that just gave up a ton of goals and a ton of shots on goal last year. I still don't know if they're going to have the depth to generate a lot of offense moving forward, you know, if, if that Duclair uh, and Reeder and Domi aren't doing it. I don't know who is necessarily on this team. And, and if they have injuries, I don't know if they have the organizational depth to cover them. So this isn't the playoff team, but... From the look of it, they might not be the worst team in hockey, which is where I had them pegged and, at the beginning of the year. And they had the luxury of putting these three youngsters in with no expectations. They're going to get valuable experience, and uh, that should stand them in good stead as they take the next ste steps of development in their career. Uh, looking at a team that's a little more experienced in the same division, though, it's a team that's looking for offense after two games. The Anaheim Ducks, this is a team that should be in the hunt all season long. But what's wrong, if anything? I'm 
concerned about this club's slow start to a some degree, but one interesting note for our fantasy players is that uh, that prime role with Perry and Getzlaff has gone to one Yuri Sekach, and uh, that's an interesting development, I think. What about you? Yeah, I picked up Sekash in my Dynasty League last year for next to nothing, figuring him just for a, a depth guy, an injury plug-in. If he sticks on that first line, he's going to be a lot more than that. And, and as we'll discuss later, certainly in, in future shows, it will be an interesting DFS play until FanDuel, DraftKings, and company catch on. But yeah, only one goal in the first two games of the year for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you have to think that they're going to turn it around. It's, it's another small sample thing. The goaltending has been solid. The defense has been solid. Those pucks are going to start going in. There's too much talent there. Yeah, anybody that wants to bail on some of their Anaheim Ducks is a guy I want to be talking trade early in the season Absolutely. as well. The Columbus Blue Jackets, i got to say this, Andrew. This, to me, is another team that's really struggled out of the gate. 0-3, and I didn't expect it. I didn't see this coming. Their defense looks awful, but Brovsky's been less than ordinary so far. Can they continue this way? I think there's too much talent, too much quality to keep this going this in this direction. What are your thoughts about the Columbus early slide here? Yeah, the, the defense has been very porous in Columbus. And, you know, Bobrovsky has not been good, but he hasn't been helped either. They've been, you know, obviously two of those losses came to my Rangers, and I saw Columbus do just commit an excessive amount of turnovers in their own zone in front of the net just giving the puck away, creating prime opportunities for the opposition. They can't obviously be doing that if they want to get anywhere. But this is, you know, this is a team that has a lot of high-end talent on the front end, got a lot of toughness. The defensive core is a little bit inexperienced, a little bit injury-prone. You have to worry about that. You have to worry about if Bobrovsky suffers an injury. But I do think the Jacks are going to be okay. I think they're going to contend for a playoff spot at the least. I like the way you're thinking there. I tend to agree. Minnesota, to me is the uh, same type of team in the other conference. They suffered a bit of a bad start against the Avs in Game 1, but seemed to recover nicely. And I'm wondering, wondering most, though, about Devin Dubna. Can this guy reprise his outstanding season from last year? What are your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild? Are they what you think they are? Yeah, you know, after that first period against Colorado... I was sitting there as a Dubnik owner being like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? There's a lot to be said uh, for small sample sizes, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and then they flipped, had a little bit of an intermission, went to the second period, and then going for the next five periods after that, Dubnik has stopped 41 of 44 shots, including a comeback to win that game and then a win the next game. So I, I really like the Wild. I think this is a very well-balanced team. I think Dubnik is a legitimate goalie. Uh, he's going to be right up there, I think, with a lot of the other top netminers in the league. Top 10 for sure. Okay, it pains me to talk about this next club because I hate the Canadians. But just like last year, Andrew, they went through three Atlantic Division opponents in their home rinks and won all those games. It's a tremendously strong statement to say we are back. We are going to be contenders in this division and we got the best goalie in the world. And to me, that's the formula for their early success, though backup goalie Mike Condon, who came from nowhere to get the backup gig here, earned a victory as well. Things are really rolling sevens for the Canadians in the early going, and I think it's just put wind in their sails. Do you think it's sustainable? I'd like to think not. <laughs> well, first of all, let me tell you how funny it sounds to hear a Canadian say, I hate the Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> 
I should say, I should say Canadien, maybe. Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Carey Price is the best goalie in the world. I, I like to think that he's not. Maybe it's only because I'm a Henrik Lundqvist fanboy. There it is. There it is again. God damn it. <laughs> By the way, that's, uh, that's as much as we're allowed to curse on this okay, show. That's uh, fine. Just so you know, uh, listeners, I will not say anything worse than God damn it. <laughs> but I'll say God damn it several times. <laughs> I may f- be I may be cursing a bluer streak than you with the Leafs lack of success continues, <laughs> man. I think I can get some bleep sound effects. We'll uh, we'll just bleep you right out there and that'll be great. Excellent. Actually that would be that'll be pretty kind wonderful. Of, <laughs> kind of a fun uh, segment. To finish up this quick fly around the NHL, I want to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. They won a very emotional home opener against Babcock and the Maple Leafs in his return to Motown. It featured a number of young Wings players who are maturing into a great new core here. I think this team's shown me enough already to think they're going to set the NHL record with a 25th straight playoff appearance. Do you think I'm out to lunch? I don't think you're out to lunch, but I am hungry. Now that I mention it. <laughs> and so are the Red Wings. Yeah, they look like they're hungry, and they've got, you know, still an interesting situation where they're trying to figure out who their starting goalie is going to be. Jimmy Howard's looked really, really good in the early going. Uh, so has Peter Mrazek. Uh, Howard's getting the start tonight. It'll be interesting to see how that goes as we try to figure out who's going to be the man here. I think any kind of legitimate Stanley Cup contender always has that one number one goalie that emerges. So it's got to be one or the other. Ultimately, I still I still want to say that it's Mrazek. I don't know if it's because I'm biased. I think I am a little bit biased about it as a guy who has been on Razik since he was a prospect, since he was in juniors, now have him on, you know, just a number of teams. So I want him just to be the one who succeeds. But uh, it's very clear that Jimmy Howard isn't just going away. No, and they gave him the early nod because they can't overlook the fact this guy's got a big ticket, Andrew. And and that's got to be something you got to be considering in some of these situations around the league. Who's the big money player? Those guys just can't ride the pine because at the very least, you got to play them in order to trade them if you're not going to use them. So that's something that our fantasy players, our listeners should be aware of when they're looking at these goalie situations. You should have done that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm kind of kicking myself because I kept him in, uh, in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League, which is a, a, we- a league where you set weekly lineups, and it's a points league. So you get... The, the biggest reward is for goalies that play every day. They don't even have to be that good. I would bet that Mike Smith probably ends up putting up more points this year than Razik does, and that's just going to make me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. As as we all know, daily fantasy sports have blown up. We've uh, we've touched on it a little bit here at the beginning. Fortunately, we don't have a horse in this race. We don't have to commit ourselves to one of the DraftKings, the FanDuel's, the Fantasy Aces of the world. But let's look at FanDuel first, just because I happened to win some money there yesterday. I'm setting a lineup there tonight in their uh, $30,000 guaranteed contest. I'm sure I'll totally win all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not in it, so I like your chances. Yeah, that's uh, one less bit of competition. I have to feel good about that. <laughs> Excellent. So, so looking at this uh, FanDuel slate tonight, we've got a, a pretty big slate. We've got nine games. Who do you like in goal? Well, I really like the goalie in Los Angeles, who I thought was going to start the game. If Quick gets the assignment, I go with him. If not, though, I'm going to change that, and I'll throw another name out there. Anders Nilsson in a shocker. I'm going to take him for the Edmonton Oilers. This is a team that needs a bit of a spark. This guy could take the reins if he comes up with a solid performance. 
this guy will cost you next to nothing, could deliver the goods in a shocking upset of a team that has all kinds of offense. So there's you a know, bit of, bit of oh a flyer for you. So here's an interesting thing, and not to be critical of our friends over at FanDuel, but do you know they have two Edmonton goalies? One of them is Cam Talbot, 7,700. The other one isn't on the team. It's really? Ben Scrivens. Uh-oh. Ben Scrivens costs $7,400 on FanDuel if you'd like to, to <laughs> plug him into your lineup. If you really want to throw him points. Throw him away. <laughs> if you're playing FanDuel like golf, where the lowest score wins, <laughs> roll Ben Scrivens My out there tonight God, that's a big and hope fo- that they uh, correct that and get Anders Nilsson in there. There's a big faux pas. So value for listening to our show. Anders Nilsson will get the start. And it's his first uh, effort of the season. A lot to like about this guy. Good size, like the the modern NHL goalie. He's got it. He's played well in the KHL. He's got no pressure on him tonight. And I just think it's a situation where he could be in for a really nice debut. Well, let's pop on over to the center position. I'm rolling out Pecorini tonight. You're going to have to pay the freight for him. He's 9200 Carey Price, 9700 Henrik Lundqvist, 9600 uh, Braden Holpe also 9200. So definitely some hair splitting among those elite goalies. But I really like Rennie in New Jersey facing their backup goalie Keith Kincaid. The Devils notoriously unable to score. Pekka Rennie notoriously difficult to score on. So by that rule, because I have said that, he will give up six goals tonight. There you go. <laughs> what about up front? I like. We've already mentioned him a couple of times in the show. Cody Eakin, to me, looks like a steal on FanDuel for 4500 bucks. Who do you like if you don't pick him at the center position? Yeah, Eakin actually a uh, right wing on FanDuel. Oh, he's a center. At, in, he's a center in, in Dallas. Fantasy and I think that's funny because, you know, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn are both centers. And, in, and they can't even play center on their own top line. <laughs> They've got Eakin in between them, and they're both off on the wing. I just think that's... It's killer if you're in a in a league that counts faceoff wins, which I am. You draft uh, Sagan or or Ben, hoping they get you a few hundred faceoff wins, and now they're uh, out on the wing, never taking any faceoffs. And there you go, Eakin is listed as a center on Fantasy Aces. So I did my column for them today, and that's where I got that information. So take a look at the position that your guys are playing. Certainly, a guy that we both know is going to play on the wing, Milan Lucic. He went a little bit nuts the other night against San Jose, and I don't think he's going to let two ugly home losses sit well in that dressing room. I look for him to have an explosive night tonight on the score sheet, not just with his temper. And you'll pay for him a little bit, though, $5,400. What do you think about that choice? Are there any other wingers that catch your eye, Andrew? I'm kind of... I don't know why I have this feeling, but I have this feeling that Lucic is going to be a bust in L.A. Like a, a total bust. And, and I can't quite put my finger on why, but it just doesn't seem right. But... Looking at some of the other guys there at left wing, my lineup tonight, rolling out a couple of guys priced at a very similar, very reasonable price point, avoiding your big ticket fellows up there, Alex Ovechkin, 9500 I'm not paying that price. Uh, honestly, I'm already scared of Martin Jones and that Sharks defense. I, I think that they might be able to hold down Washington and make that a low-scoring game. Uh, so I'm going a little far down. I'm going to take Phil Forsberg, uh, again, as we mentioned, facing Keith Kincaid, not Corey Schneider, who's away for the birth of his child, and Jaden Schwartz, St. Louis in Calgary tonight. Got to love those mediocre Calgary goalies. Got to love Jaden Schwartz, who I think has the best two-way game this side of Pavel Datsuk. 
I like that guy too. And a guy that he used to play with last year is TJ Oshie. He's in a totally new situation in Washington. Oshie's a reasonable $6,000 on FanDuel, and he's playing on the top line. He played over 21 minutes in his first game with 4.45 on the power play. That shows you they expect him to play big minutes. He's not worried about the depth of the forward lines here, costing him regular duty like he might have been in St. Louis. He's going to play on that top line, and he, they're going to play his butt off. So that's a guy I like tonight. Another guy that I like on the blue line is Seth Jones. We talked about him. He comes in a little bit lower than most other D-men because he's the third in, on the depth chart in Nashville. But I think this guy's going to be a guy they work into their power play rotation, already scoring points. He's got a ton of offensive upside, and I expect for that to show more this season than it has in the earlier part of his career to date. Yeah, Jones, a, a very reasonable, very cheap, actually, 4400 Uh When you look at FanDuel, the the total salary you get, you end up with an average of about, I think, 6100 per player. So at 4400 Seth Jones, a steal for the kind of power play time that he gets, and especially considering that, like Forsberg, facing that backup goalie. Another guy I like on the blue line tonight, Justin Falk, facing Al Montoya and the Florida Panthers. At home, too. Falk, I think, spectacularly talented. One of the more underrated, I think, offensive defensemen in the league because he plays in Carolina, which is kind of a, a black hole right now. Uh, things not really looking that great for the Hurricanes, currently winless. But I think Falk has a... If, the, if anyone's going to put up points on this team, he's going to be the guy, even if they end up getting rid of Eric Stahl. In setting up your teams in general for daily fantasy, Andrew, I don't know what your tendency is, but mine is to look for... Great deals like this as the starting point to building up your team and then increasing that average value you have for the remaining players so you can stick in the top goalie on the board almost on any given night. I think it gives you a tremendous advantage, particularly in a mismatch against a lesser team. So that's why I look at a guy like a Jones, I look at a guy like an Eakin as guys that give me a lot more latitude than if I go high-end in, in first and then fill in with the cheaper guys at the end of the day. What's your Absolutely. thought on that? Absolutely, you know, like throwing in Rinny and spending that ninety two hundred on him. I don't have another player who costs more than Tyler Johnson at seventy two hundred mm-hmm. in Detroit tonight against Jimmy Howard because you know I'm not betting against Mrazek. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gone through the NHL a really nice fly around in our maiden voyage for the regular season. But Andrew, I came to the table with RotoWire as an outsider with two staples in my podcast hockey history and I want to introduce them to our audience with your help now one is the stud of the week where we highlight something or someone in the NHL that caught our eye in a positive way and I'm going to throw to you to say what's your stud of the week story or player for week one in the NHL my stud of the week is the NHL board of governors for trying to fix what's been ailing the system of overtime and going from four-on-four over that five minutes to three-on-three. Three-on-three overtime is awesome. It is, I think, one of the funnest things I've ever watched in the NHL. I know I'm personally a fan of the shootout. You can talk about the shootout if you want. I Uh, will. I will. Oh, you will. You will. (laughs) (laughs) I like the shootout, but I think three-on-three is so cool. End-to-end action, tons of open ice, tons of big plays. You get to see great saves. Now, the interesting thing about it, though, is I think we're going to see a lot more games get decided in overtime now as opposed to the shootout than we did before, and that's going to affect goalie stats. 
I think we're going to see goals against averages rise throughout the league. And it's kind of rough, you know. You go through a game as a goalie, maybe you give up two goals on 26 shots, go to overtime, tied 2-2. Then you give up that overtime goal, you end up with maybe three goals on 29 shots. You have an ugly stat line for the day, but you played well. So I think that's unfortunate for the goalies. That's my only issue with 3-on-3 overtime. Other than that, it's just so fun to watch. Well, and as a guy who's lobbied for 3-on-3 overtime since they started talking about the overtime concept, I'm thrilled with this. I coached enough minor hockey to see games decided in a 3-on-3 format almost 90% of the time in my career uh, in 11 years of coaching minor hockey in and around southern Ontario. And I thought this was a great way to keep the thing all about hockey and not a skills competition. And that lets me roll right into the rant of the week, Andrew. In week one, I say out loud, get rid of the shootout, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't They don't kick field goals to settle football games. They don't shoot free throws <laughs> in the NBA to settle the basketball scores. Why do we have to have a skills competition in the NHL? It skews the results. And the, the part B of this is the whole notion of why does a regulation win count for exactly the same as a shootout win or an overtime win? I think it should be three points for every game, three points for the regulation win. If you win in overtime or the shootout, two points for the winner, one for the loser, and we have three points at stake every night out. That's a reward for teams that win in the regulation. They should get the full three. The other guys are playing for a, sh- a split of two and one, but please, let's get rid of the skills competition. This ain't hockey. I'm a purist. <laughs> hockey ties were all right for 75 years in the history of this great league. We changed it to appease a small group of, of people, I think. And I think there's still room for the tie. But, hey, you're going to settle most of these games. Like you said, with a three-on-three overtime, just let's lose this skills competition. That's my it, rant of the week. I have to say, I'm really glad that they got rid of the tie. And and maybe – so, okay. I live in Philadelphia, but I'm a Rangers fan, as we've covered. And I remember as a kid going up to a Rangers game watching them play. I don't know. It was Nashville or someone. And they tied 1-1. Then we went home. So we took this two-and-a-half-hour trip to New York. We watched this game. They each scored a goal. And then they said, ah, well, that's about it. And then we go home. So you need a half hours back home. So you need to see a winner. Is I need a resolution. I need a resolution. I cannot have a tie. This ain't soccer. Well, you know what? Then let's play ten minutes of three on three. Those yeah, games. You, those games will be, be impossible. Those, but, well, I mean, impossible to to go without uh, solving it with ten minutes on three of three on three. But it will happen. It's going to happen inevitably. That and and then what are you going to do after those ten minutes? You're going to give them the tie. I think you got to give them the tie. And and the thorough amount of entertainment that you get in 10 minutes of overtime hockey with three-on-three, I'll bet you those ties will be few and far between. So I I just think it's still hockey, Andrew, at the end of the day, not a super skills competition. Let's save those for intermission gimmicks for the The fans to stand. Yeah, the all-star. That sort of thing. That's what the NBA does. That's what the major leagues of baseball do. Hockey should follow suit. You know, I would be interested to see what the difference in the standings would be if you adjusted it to make it three points for a regulation win and two points for a shootout win. I would be interested to see if the standings shake out much differently uh, by doing that. I think there would be a couple of teams that would be affected every year because the playoffs, the standings are bunched up so closely between first and last in the playoff qualifiers last year in one of the conferences. 
I think the gap was 14 points top to bottom. That's over eight teams. And I think shuffling the deck in terms of the way the points are distributed, you would naturally have affected that outcome. I'll try and do some homework in that regard while I'm sunning myself in NASA on the Bahamas next week. <laughs> yeah, well, and also my other concern with, with the three-point thing is then how are you going to express records, right? You're going to say, okay, we've got 22 wins, 12 overtime wins, uh, three law, you know, 21 losses and 14 overtime losses. Now you're talking about just like a a raft of of stat lines just to describe wins and losses for a team. And then all of a sudden, hockey starts to look more, look more like baseball in that regard. Then, <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, we could talk about these kinds of things all year long, and we will. And I hope the f- listeners have enjoyed the rant of the week and the stud of the week. We'll bring them to you every week. And if there's any sponsors out there listening. Hey, we're looking for sponsorship for those spots, too. That brings us to the end of our regular season debut, Andrew. This is Paul Bruno for Andrew Fiorentino saying thanks for tuning into The Great Ones. We invite you to come back next week as we continue our season-long coverage of everything fantasy hockey. So long from The Great Ones, folks. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.